Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and I'm joined now as always by Brandon Pelter. And Brandon, we are now one week into the Somerset Patriots 2021 season. Most important question now, I guess, of the week. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Mark. We saw a terrific initial series from the Somerset Patriots squad. So many positives and upsides and just ready for another baseball game tomorrow. It was a successful week for the Somerset Patriots going up against the Harrisburg Senators to begin their new affiliation with the New York Yankees. Somerset took five of six over the Washington Nationals double A affiliate. We're going to get into all that happened in this series. We'll take a deep dive on the position players. We'll take a deep dive on the pitchers as well because both of those categories had a lot of success. We're also Going to take a look at the Patriots' upcoming series. Of course, this week's episode airing on Monday night on the Voice of Central New Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and dropping online Tuesday morning. So the Patriots are now currently on their way up to Manchester, New Hampshire, to take on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. That's going to be a very interesting and potentially telling series for this Somerset Patriots team. We're going to get into a preview of that series as well. And we're also going to take a look around the entirety of the New York Yankees minor league organization. We're going to check in in Scranton. We're going to check in with high A Hudson Valley. We're going to check in with low A Tampa as well. A lot to get to in this week's episode. So let's get started. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Swing and a high fly ball hit deep to right field. Banks goes back, turns around, and there it goes! The first batter in Somerset Patriots double-A history, Estevan Florial, sends a solo shot over the right field fence. Florial at the plate. 0-2, swing and a drive deep down the right field line. This one has a chance. Does it say fair? It does! And that is gone! Second time in four days, Estevan Florial leads off the bottom of the first inning with a solo home run. Swung on, this one hit high in the air out to right field as well. Corridor to the warning track, turns around, and there it goes! Third time in six games, Estevan Florial has began the bottom of the first inning with a solo home run. Swing and a drive, deep to right field, forget about this one. Ho-ho, over the scoreboard, Estevan Florial. Well, I mean, Brandon, we just heard some of the highlights from this one. We we want to start with the position players and the success that they had over this last week. And there's only one place really to begin, and it's where the lineup has begun each night of the first six games of this season and that's got to be with the number 10 prospect in the New York Yankees organization, according to Baseball America, Estevan Florial. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Florial, 7 for 22 to start the season. So he's hitting over 300, but just listen to his seven hits, how they break down. A single, two doubles, 
four home runs, three of which were to lead off ball games. So those four home runs rank him tops in the AA Northeast League. Six RBI, that's good for eighth in the league. And I think also of note for Florial, while he struck out a good deal over the first couple games, he has not struck out in two straight contests. So certainly a good sign. That was really the biggest concern for him coming into the season. Well, we came in with high expectations of Florial, and I think everyone came in with high expectations of Florial. He had been playing at the alt site over in Scranton, and Brandon, when we were having conversations before the season even began, we didn't think that Florial was somebody that we were going to see in Somerset. I mean, he played at the major league level in 2020, but here he is putting on a show. Do you feel like there is any pressure going into Florial considering the stature of his prospect status going into this year? Because if there was pressure, at least through one week, he certainly lived up to it. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to the individual player. And when we look at Esteban Florial, while we were pleasantly surprised, I will say it makes sense because he hadn't really played any uh, extended baseball above high A. So I think it makes sense for this Yankees organization to kind of take things slow and uh, and let him ease into it. And that in and of itself, just sending him to double A, letting him establish himself, I think that helps to take any pressure off. Um, it's uh, it's ob- obviously competition-wise a little lesser um, than AAA, so this will give him a good opportunity to really solid- solidify his game himself and build confidence. And you know, one part of his game that I don't want to overlook, Mark, that we really haven't talked a- about uh, quite a bit is Manning center field. He has looked so graceful out there in center, has made some really nice plays, and for the most part, just makes it look easy out there. Now, that's no surprise to anyone that knows Estevan Florial or his game, but I just think it's important to point out and that we don't overlook it. Well, going into the 2017 season, Florial was ranked as the number two prospect in the Yankees' farm system, according to Baseball America. In 2018, the number three prospect in the Yankees organization, once again, according to Baseball America. So this is somebody, um, and at the end of the season, at the end of the 2018 season, actually the top prospect uh, by Baseball America. So the expectations have always been high, but you mentioned it, Brandon. I mean, the 2017 season, 91 games with uh, single-A Charleston, and had pretty good numbers there, but 124 strikeouts over 91 games. In 2018, spent 75 games with high A Tampa, 87 strikeouts over to 75 games. And then in 2019, again, the entire season with Tampa. So this is somebody who had very high expectations, but was always at that Tampa Bay level. And now we're seeing him get extended work at the AA level. And I don't know if there's something in the water here in Somerset, but the strikeout numbers, at least from one week, are down. And he's been making his rounds. Social media, I mean, Yankee fans, we, we see, we monitor our social media accounts. We see Yankee fans that are, are seeing these highlights of these towering home runs going over scoreboards and starting off ball games. And everyone wants him to get called up to the big leagues. Maybe not ready for that just yet, but certainly promising what he's been able to do so far this year. No question. And I think the biggest thing when you're looking at a prospect that has uh, certainly had such high potential throughout his entire career, and I think the the reason that we see him here in AA is because the Yankees don't want to rush him along. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. He clearly has so much raw talent, but let's continue to develop him and get him to the best he can possibly be before he gets to Scranton or the Bronx. Well, there's been a lot of people that we've talked to about what the significance of playing at the AA level means. I know I've had this conversation with Mike Ashmore, with Matt Cardos, with J.J. Cooper over at Baseball America. 
the consensus for double A baseball is that this is the make or break level for a lot of prospects where, you know, you have success at the lower rungs, but this is the first step in what's considered sort of the upper levels of minor league baseball. You have double A and triple A before you get up to the major leagues. Triple A oftentimes has players that are sort of that 4A kind of player, a major leaguer that's bouncing back and forth between triple A and the majors. But double mm-hmm. A is where you have some of these top prospects really show if they're ready to take that next step or if they're still of that sort of lower in the system progression at that at the point of their career. And, you know, so far for Florial, he's been up to the challenge and you know, if this is a make or break season for Florial, it's been it's been a heck of a start so far. Absolutely, and I think one of the biggest things uh, that is noticed from Single A baseball to Double A is just a greater consistency when it comes to especially the pitching side. So really, over a continued stretch for Estevan Florial, we'll get a really good idea of where he is. But certainly, as we've said, it has been a tremendous start from him. Well. Of course, Florial not the only position player that is on the Somerset Patriots roster that has turned some heads so far, uh, at least through the first series of the season. A couple of other names that have stood out to me, Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, he's gotten off to a very fine start. Diego Castillo, the team leader in hits, he's got eight hits over his first six games. We've seen some nice pop from Donnie Sands. We've seen some good patience from Hoy Park. Uh, Brandon, as we look at the rest of this uh, Patriots lineup, what has stood out to you so far? Well, just the the influx of names that we've had because coming into the season, our focus, and really it seemed like just about everyone else's as well, was on the arms, was on the pitching talent in this team. And by, uh, you know, there's no doubt that there is there. We've seen that in great success, but we've also seen some really good bats. You mentioned Donnie Sands, who's consistently been in the lineup catching and at the DH spot. Donnie, we saw a uh, towering home run that cleared both walls in left a couple nights ago. Hoy Park, I think, uh, has uh, some done some uh, really good stuff. He's been versatile around the infield and continues to work counts. We see him so patient at the plate, rare to chase any pitches. Um, you mentioned Diego Castillo as well, tied for fourth in the AA Northeast League with eight hits. He's hitting 348. With uh, four of RBI, and I think for him, it's been a career-long trend, but only two strikeouts through his, the first six games of the season. So a guy that continuously puts ball into play. And I think the one name that uh, you didn't mention, Mark, who has probably been the uh, most pleasant surprise of a guy that's flown under the radar but has really impressed so far is Thomas Malone. He hit a big homer on uh, opening night following up Estevan Florial's uh, to lead off the game. Malone was a little later in that first inning. This is his first season playing with the Yankees organization. They signed him back in 2019, but obviously no 2020 season. So far, he's 5 for 14. That's good for 357 with that homer that I mentioned, 5 RBI. He's also got a pair of multi-hit games. So he's done well in, in Manning left field. Uh, he's he's looked nice and I think really has earned himself a pretty consistent spot in this Patriots lineup. I want to hone in on Hoy Park for a second uh, because Park played at the double-A level 113 games with double-A Trenton in 2019. He had 272 that season with three home runs and 41 runs batted in. 
I think we've seen already early on that there's, you know, we're going to have to get used to at this level of baseball. There's a lot of influence from the New York Yankees organization on who they want to see get a lot of at bats and really have an opportunity to prove themselves. I think that's why we see Estevan Florial lead off every game because they want to maximize the amount of at bats. Hoy Park has been hitting either third or fourth every game so far this season. We saw him go yard for his first home run last night on Sunday, uh, but he's been getting a lot of playing time. They've scattered him around the infield as well, and it's been very promising to see you know, his speed along the base paths, his patience at the plate, and I wonder for someone like Park, who already has a full season of AA under his belt, if he continues to por- perform well here how long he would be in Somerset before he gets a call back up to Scranton. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And we also, something that we've talked about already, but we also have to keep our eye on the other transactions around the organization because that will have great influence. If you have a guy like Miguel Andujar, who got called up um, a couple days ago, but just recently sent back down to Scranton Wilkes-Barre, well, if he gets called up again, then there's that opening. And a guy like Hoy Park might be able to slide in um, and make that transition work. One thing that you mentioned with him that I'd like to key in on is uh, the stolen bases and how aggressive this Patriots squad and Julio Mascara has been. They've got seven stolen bases through the first six games. That's tied for fourth for all of AA, not just the uh, AA Northeast League. So he has been an aggressive squad. They've been cut down, stealing a couple of times, but that's been interesting because we really didn't have a very clear-cut idea of what we would see out of this Patriots team and exactly how they would be managed. Julio said before the season that he is not the guy that it's his way or the highway. He's going to take what he's given in the sense of player-wise and also consult pretty uh, pretty casually and usually with his other coaches on the staff here. And especially the trend across all of baseball, really, in the last 10 years or so, stolen base numbers have taken a nosedive. Uh, with the sabermetrics and with uh, most front offices believing you need to be successful 70 to 80% of the time for it to really be worth it, to take off, but we've seen seven stolen bases so far, and, and with the speed that we have on this roster, I don't really see that slowing down. Seven stolen bases over 11 attempts so far for the Patriots. Hoy Park has two steals. Michael Beltre has two steals. Diego Castillo has two stolen bases as well. And on the flip side of that, if you're looking quickly at the way that the Patriots have lined up defensively so far, I want to key in on the catcher position because we've seen a very strong start offensively for Donnie Sands. He's been strong behind home plate. But when we bring it back to that stolen base conversation, Jason Lopez has had a ton of success behind home plate defensively for Somerset. I believe he's already thrown out three potential base stealers. So that combination of production, both offensively and defensively from the catcher position, uh, has certainly been impressive so far for the Patriots and something to keep an eye out on moving forward. No doubt about it. I mean, Lopez, you mentioned he's caught three of five stealing and he has an absolute cannon of an arm. Donnie Sands, I don't think you can overlook that defense either. He might not quite have that arm or the success in gunning down runners, but he has called some really nice games and he's done a really good job. I think both have really of blocking pitches and keeping things in front. We really haven't seen sloppy play from either of the backstops in the early goings of this season. Well, these were two catchers that played alongside each other in 2019 at High A Tampa. Sansa 221 over 68 games with High A Tampa in 2019. Jason Lopez at 209 over 71 games. So these are two guys that are 
used to being a pair of catchers to be used by a, by a team. Of course, in 2019, they were playing under uh, the same hitting coach they are playing under now, Joe Migliaccio. He was the hitting coach in Tampa in 2019. So it'll be interesting to follow uh, all of the bats that have had success, the position players in the field as well. It's been a very promising start to the 2021 season for the Somerset Patriots position players. Nishanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Nishanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas. Visit NishanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tee time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements, and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. Sets at the chest, looking to complete six scoreless innings. The pitch, he gets the swing and a miss on a breaking ball. Lopez has to chase it up the third base side. He sidearms it to first, and that's in time to get Clough as Glenn Otto strikes out the side to end this sixth frame. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We already talked about the position players and some of the very impressive starts, especially from Estevan Florial, Diego Castillo, Hoy Park, and so many more. Let's talk about the pitching side. And this is what we really teased throughout the course of the entire offseason. Every conversation that we had was all about how impressive this pitching staff is going to be for Somerset. We just heard that highlight from Glenn Otto finishing off his six strong innings of starting pitching from Saturday night, the longest outing we saw from a starting pitcher so far this year. Overall, Brandon, you know, this pitching staff, we had that high expectation, but they have lived up to the billing both with starting pitching and especially with relief pitching as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you take five of six against a team, uh, that's certainly a good all-around effort. But to look at the pitching staff, Harrisburg was held to 22 for 184. That's 120, the batting average over six games. They are dead last in not only the Northeast League, all of double A. So clearly, um, the Patriots pitching staff was quite successful. Uh, I think, uh, Glenn Otto, you said where we're going to start had the uh, most impressive performance, went the longest as well of all starters that we saw in this opening series. Six innings, two hits, no runs, a walk in six Ks. That was on the contest Saturday evening. And I think we both agreed as it went on, Otto got better and Looked like he was more locked in, turned more to his secondary pitches. Yeah, his fastball was really popping. I, I don't think you know we anticipated to, it to have as much juice as it did in the early goings of that game. But some of the strikeouts that we saw from Otto later in the contest, especially in his last inning of work in that sixth inning when he struck out the side, really went to the curveball uh, and had some Harrisburg Senators batters biting. Yeah, no, no question. He looked phenomenal. And I think as a whole, the message uh, from myself, I'm just, I cannot wait to see these guys when they're not on such a tight leash, when they can be going 
80, 90, 100 pitches. Otto did top out at, uh, I believe it was 81 pitches. Yeah, 81 pitches. So if he's going 90 to 100 and is is putting in six, seven inning performances every single start, well, that's a guy to certainly watch out for. He is a top 30 MLB.com uh, Yankees prospect. So the eyes are already there on him, along with the other headliner who we've talked about at length, Luis Heal. We saw him in two starts. His first a little more successful than his last, but on opening night, again, on a bit of a leash at 63 pitches. He went three and two-thirds and dazzled, giving up just two hits, no runs, and uh, he did collect six strikeouts. It was the high fastball that got the job done on Tuesday night. Yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, we saw him again, and he struggled a little bit early in the contest. Walked the first batter he saw, then gave up a single. He ended up giving up two runs in that first inning. In total, uh, he pitched three innings in the scorebook, did see four batters in his fourth inning of work, but didn't record an out. Went uh, four hits. Five runs, three earned, three walks, five Ks. That high fastball just wasn't getting the swings and misses that it did on Tuesday night in his first start, Mark. Oh, it's going to be interesting to follow as the season goes along. You know, with these extended series, Heel was so impressive on opening night. And, and, you know, to start off out of the gate with that fastball that could be elevated, you know, 97, 98 to begin the season. Harrisburg, it's it just seemed Tuesday night. We're not really prepared for that high fastball, but... With these six-game sets, you're going to see pitchers multiple times, and Harrisburg had a lot better of an approach at the plate against Luis Heal, especially the second time through the lineup yesterday. I mean, Drew Mendoza in that fourth inning led off with a home run. Mendoza, one of the best people to touch up Heal. He had a double against Heal on Tuesday night. He had a solo home run yesterday as well, and then a couple of walks as Heal lost his command. It seemed like he might have been overthrowing just a little bit, because his fastball up in the zone had so much success early on in Tuesday. And then a couple of the walks that we saw, I mean, he had three walks overall in Sunday's ball game, but it just seemed like on those walks, it wasn't so much that he wasn't able to locate his secondary or tertiary pitches. It was that that fastball was just, you know, against a left-handed batter sort of riding up and away. Maybe he was overthrowing. Maybe the release point was just a bit off. He's got the juice to blow a fastball by anybody in this league, but you know you got to be able to rein it in a little bit, um, you know, moving forward. Well, and that was the the biggest point of emphasis for Luis Heal is finding that command, and when he can do that, if he can consistently pound the strike zone. He's going to be able to get batters out. So for him, over the course of these next couple weeks and next next few starts, that'll be what I'm watching the most, how he does in terms of control in the zone. Well, we mentioned that he started things off um, opening night. The man that followed him up was who I think really takes the cake as the most impressive pitcher in this opening series. That was Ron Marinaccio. The uh, Jersey kid went three and a third on Tuesday night. No hits, no runs, two walks, and he won up teal with seven Ks. He said after the outing, it was the changeup that he really did not think it would be as good as it was, but came out and, and really helped him put together a strong outing. Uh, he, again, as I mentioned, went three and a third with seven strikeouts. 
got the most of a Patriots pitcher in this season. Previously, he was more of a fastball slider guy, and he had the chance with the downtime last year to get into the analytics and really discover that changeup is his premier pitch. He was strong and I think certainly is one of the first relievers that we'll see consistently out of the pen. Well, Ron joked after that first game when he was getting some questions from local media about the changeup. He said, well, you know, it hasn't, I, I've discovered it recently. It hasn't really been on many people's scouting reports, but I, uh, I'm assuming that it's going to be on more scouting reports as we go further along. A very impressive showing from Marinaccio. He also appeared in two innings of scoreless relief on Saturday night to follow up Glenn Otto, and it was two more, you know, scoreless innings. A couple of strikeouts. He's got nine strikeouts over, what is it, five and a third innings of work so far this year. It's been a very impressive start for Marinaccio, and Taking a look at the rest of this Patriots bullpen, Brandon, you know, we talked to Julio before the season, and Julio mentioned that there really isn't any defined roles and who's going to be coming in, who is the quote-unquote closer, who is the quote-unquote setup guy or the long man. It's going to be a feeling-out process for the entire bullpen, but I'll tell you what, over the first six games of the series, I'm looking at this bullpen, and you have a ton of guys that could fit into almost any different slot. I mean, Marinaccio, impressive um, Michael Gomez has been good late in the ball games. Carlos Espinal had a good long relief role. Jeffrey Valdez yesterday was so impressive, and the list goes on. This is a very, you know, Stephen Ridings, Greg Weissert. I mean, this is a very impressive bullpen. Yeah, no doubt about it. Keegan Curtis leads the way with two saves. Michael Gomez has one. Um, but like you said with Valdez, I think at least for myself, the perception was a little skewed initially because the first time that we saw him, I think it was the first batter that he saw, it was he the gave first up the home run. The first pitch. Right. But since then, he has been lights out. He's pitched three innings in two games, and he has only uh, allowed that one uh, run to uh, come home against him. So he has been solid. And um, and really, like you said, there are so many different ways that this Patriots squad can turn. Well, I mean, Valdez was, in my opinion, I mean, he had the Esteban Florial home run yesterday. And um, Diego Castillo had a big game with a couple of runs batted in, including his first home run. Hoy Park had a, had a big home run in yesterday's ballgame as well. But Valdez was the star because he came in with a runner at third base. And nobody out in a ball game that was tied at five with rain falling. We didn't know how much longer we were going to play that ball game because of the threat of rain potentially ending things early. And he came in in relief of Luis Heel with nobody out and Manuel Geraldo at third base. And he stranded him there and then piggybacked off of that for three total scoreless innings of relief, stabilizing this ball game and giving the Patriots to get to, quote-unquote, the back end of their bullpen to finish things off. Yeah, and I think it's important to add, not only was a runner on third with no outs, they had already, the, the Senators, that is, has, had already scored three runs that inning. So the momentum was there. They had a lot going for them. The Patriots brought the infield up, and uh, Valdez drew a um, a ground out to short with the infield up, a fly out to shallow left field, and then another ground out to work out of the jam. So that was vitally important, as you mentioned, especially with the rain falling and the potential to have to tarp the field. They didn't have to do that. They got through all nine, but still an impressive showing, and he's gone five innings this season, and only allowing his one hit was that home run. Well, you mentioned Keegan Curtis with a couple of saves. That leads the Patriots. One name that we haven't brought up just yet that I know that you've been excited to talk about Kevin Gadea, mm -hmm. uh, you know, making a not a professional baseball debut, but he hadn't pitched in what four years 
And he's got that big curveball. He's got a fastball with enough life on it. And he's another reliever that was very impressive so far. Yeah, we've seen him twice. He's gone four innings with two hits and a run. Five strikeouts in those four innings. And really, we mentioned the Senators' struggles at the plate, so I don't want to talk too much about batting average against. But um, against Gadea, the Senators hitting just 143. So he's seen success. And another big body that we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, somebody who really can be climbing the ranks in this uh, Yankees organization is Steven Ridings. Six foot eight, coming out of college, Haverford College. He was touching only around 93, 94 on the gun with his fastball. We had him clocked at 101 in this last series. He comes out with that hard fastball. He has looked really good. The control has been there as well for Ridings. Really, the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, and you know what? He's a New York guy. He Went to St. Anthony's High School over in Huntington, Long Island. So uh, certainly familiar with the area and maybe a little overlooked at times. I mean, he signed as a minor league free agent back in January with the Yankees. And now here he is pumping triple digits with a fastball. He's got that frame that stands out any time that you look at him. Uh, you know, another promising name. And looking at the numbers from this bullpen already, Brandon, I mean, through yesterday's ball game, another six shutout innings of relief. In fact, Patriots relievers did not allow a single hit over the final six innings of yesterday's ball game. So now they're four and one is the bullpen over the first six games. They've only allowed five runs over 31 innings of relief. Now, granted, it's still very early in the season, and we're about to, in our next segment, uh, talk a little bit more about the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, the team that the Patriots are going up against next. But if you have a combination of some of these starting pitchers that the Patriots have had success with so far, Luis Heal, of course, has, you know, the sky's the limit for a guy like him. Glenn Otto, very impressive. Even, you know, Matt Crook showed some good things. Jansen Junk showed some good things as well. Sean Semple, four scoreless in his first start. He's going to be taking the mound on, uh, on Tuesday night. Combination of, you know, good to very good starting pitching with a bullpen that was as impressive as I could imagine them being sets this team up very well moving forward. Absolutely. And you, you uh, meld that together then with the strong bats, pretty clean defense as well. I mean, there were a couple errors here and there, uh, but for the most part, things looked relatively clean. All in all, we're looking at a very strong Patriots squad. And now, again, I do want to point out that was against one opponent. We've only seen them against the Harrisburg Senators. So we'll get a good barometer of where they sit on Tuesday night in, the, in this next upcoming series against another squad, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back.
All right, so we talked about the Somerset Patriots. Now it's time to talk about the Patriots' next opponent as they hit the road to begin a 12-game road trip tied for their longest road trip of the 2021 season. It's the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, Somerset's next opponent, the AA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. They've had a number of really impressive prospects come through their ranks in the past. You just have to go a couple of years ago, and Brandon, I know you're going to get into this, with some of the top names that are moving up in the Blue Jays organization that are prominent players. So another exciting crop of guys that are with the Fisher Cats this season. Yeah, absolutely. The Blue Jays as a farm system as a whole are ranked seventh by MLB Pipeline. So certainly a lot of uh, good prospects, and that includes, as you mentioned, uh, the guys that have graduated, Vladdy Jr., Bo Bichette, and Kevin Biggio, not going towards that number seven rank. So a lot of big names um, still sticking around, and uh, and the New Hampshire Fisher Cats are not new to these uh, top prospects. What has been interesting was that they're one in five on the season, but they do have three of the top five organizational prospects, according to MLB Pipeline. They started out hot on Tuesday night, an 11-2 explosion in the win, but they've dropped five straight, struggling a little bit to generate some offense. The pitching has not helped out too much either. They've given up uh, nine runs a pair of times. They gave up 12 runs Sunday afternoon in the 12-6 loss, so it does seem, at least just looking on paper, like the pitching needs to hunker down a little bit, uh, a little bit but uh, a lot of really good prospects. And we'll start with the uh, catcher, Gabriel Moreno, seventh ranked according to MLB Pipeline. Um, we saw him in a couple contests already so far. Um, he, he really turned heads in 2019 when he was with uh, single-A Lansing. He hit 280. 12 home runs, and what we'll notice a trend uh, in these Blue Jays prospects is a lot of them were at the alternate site, a little different from the Yankees, at least looking at the Somerset Patriots. We only saw Luis Heal in 2020 there, Estevan Florial. That's it. We have a, a bit of a handful on this New Hampshire Fisher Cat squad that spent 2020 improving at the alternate site. That includes Moreno, and that's when he really impressed players, raved about him, loud contact a quick and compact swing and already so far this season he's hitting 412 good for fifth in the league with a 500 on base percentage uh, originally signed for $25,000 out of Venezuela in 2016 and you know he's been considered one of the top catching prospects in the lower levels of minor league baseball for some time now so he certainly adds a lot to watch. Uh, another guy to really watch out for, a top draft pick, Austin Martin, uh, who has begun the season with New Hampshire, and he's also gotten off to a pretty nice start. Yeah, somehow in 2020, he was still available at the five pick, so the Blue Jays swept him up. He was potentially a number one coming out of Vanderbilt, another player that was at the alternate site, and scouts really saw him as a top hitter in his class coming into that 2020 draft. Hard contact is short and a quick stroke, and he'll use the entire field. We saw so much shifting in this last series against the Harrisburg Senators, uh, but against Martin, we might not see it as much because he's able to drive the ball to all fields. By MLB.com, he was graded as the top-hitting prospect on that 2080 scale. He was graded a 65 when it comes to the hitting, and uh, so far this season, Martin hitting 235 in five games. He does have a pair of RBI, a double and a triple. Well, sometimes when you have a, a guy that you pluck out of college in the draft, he might have a more advanced bat than some other players. 
But for him, you know, he was drafted last year, and his first lick of professional baseball is at the double-A level. They didn't even find it to maybe extend him in spring training a little bit or to have him start off on a lower level, you know, like Dunedin. Uh, instead, he is starting at the double-A level, which I think really speaks to how advanced of a bat he already has. Absolutely, and he is, according to MLB Pipeline, the second-ranked uh, Blue Jays prospect. So Austin Martin, somebody to certainly keep an eye out for on the position player side. On the pitching side, uh, who the Patriots will see, in fact, two times in this series, a big-time name. He used to be a part of the New York Mets organization. Now he's over in the Blue Jays organization. It's Simeon Woods Richardson. He gets the ball Tuesday night to begin the series, and the Patriots will see him again on Sunday. Yeah, the right-hander was a 2018 second-round draft pick by the Mets. As you mentioned, he was actually a part of that Marcus Stroman uh, trade, which sent Stroman to the Mets, Simeon Wood Richardson, uh, Richardson over to the Blue Jays, and once they got him uh, back at that 2019 trade right around the deadline, they sent him to high A D Dunedin. He made six really strong starts. They were very impressed, and uh, they then sent him to the alternate site in uh, 2020. The fastball, a four-seamer. He has really strong command over, sits 91 to 94. He's got really good action and command on the curve, which we'll see in the upper seven and a sharp slider in the low 80s that he really uses as an out pitch down in the zone to really try and get uh, chases. He has uh, a lot of potential certainly to make it to the majors and to be a two or three starter in the bigs. He's got the size at 6'3". Um, and, and really a lot of uh, good numbers and uh, positivity from uh, Simeon Wood Richardson. Uh, went four innings, giving up four hits, three runs, although just one earned in his first start of the season. The other player that the Toronto Blue Jays got in that Mike, um, Marcus Stroman trade was Anthony Kay. He's been up at the major league level with the Toronto Blue Jays for the last couple of seasons. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats entering this series 1 and 5 as Brandon mentioned uh, at the bottom of the Northeast standings, uh, the Northeast Division of the Northeast League. The Patriots are 4 and 1. They rather the Patriots are 5 and 1. Uh, they are tied with the Portland Sea Dogs. Obviously, it is way too early to do any sort of scoreboard checking or or really looking at the standings. But you know, this is an opportunity for Somerset. You know, they hosted Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Uh, who knows what their team is going to look like a couple of months from now, and and whether they're a team that still struggles offensively, or if this was just an aberration, or if this was a sign of good pitching. But for the Patriots, this is going to be a little bit more of a litmus test, so we get an idea early on in the year. If this is a team that is going to consistently take four or five games out of every six-game set, or maybe you know Harrisburg might be a team a little bit on the lesser end, we're, we're going to see uh, this coming week. Absolutely, especially against some of these uh, top bats in uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, Austin Martin, one we didn't mention, Gordon uh, Jordan Groshans. That left side of the infield between Martin and Groshans is really solid. Groshans was a 2018 first-round pick out of Magnolia High School in Texas in 2018. 19, he was with uh, single-A Lansing, hit 337, but he got hurt. So that was only in 23 games. And another uh, Blue Jays prospect on this list that spent the 2020 season at the alternate site. He was a really strong standout on both sides of the ball. So a lot of good experience from this Blue Jays squad, especially on the hitting side. And we'll see a good test for these Patriots pitchers. We'll really find out by the end of the week 
are they as good as we think they are right now? You know, certainly right now the answer is yes. They're really good. But uh, but they will be tested with some top prospects this coming week. Somerset's going to have the same starting rotation as they did for the first week of the season. Sean Semple gets the ball for the Patriots Tuesday night to go up against Simeon Woods Richardson. And then we'll go back through the entire rotation. And it'll be Semple versus Richardson to finish up the series on Sunday afternoon. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We've talked now about the Somerset Patriots who went 5-1 and one, uh, in a six-game series against the Harrisburg Senators to begin their season. But there are new teams that we need to follow around the rest of minor league baseball because the Patriots are now an affiliate of the New York Yankees, which means we have sister affiliates as well. Let's take a look at some reports that we've been getting in from the rest of the teams in the New York Yankees organization. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Tampa in their first season as the Yankees' low-A affiliate in the new Southeast League West Division, the Tarpons are off to a 5-0 start. And not only that, but they have scored 77 runs in their first five games, making them the highest-scoring team in minor league baseball, 20 runs better than the second-highest-scoring team in the minors. It's been Pat DeMarco and Trevor Halver leading the way for Tampa this week, with Halver, the third rounder for the Yankees in the 2020 draft, hitting a minor league leading five home runs, and he also has 12 RBIs hitting 643 through his first four games played. DeMarco, meanwhile, had a seven RBI day on Friday night, and for Tampa, he is hitting 500 with a team leading 14 runs batted in. But really, it's been a great team effort as the Tarpons are batting 356 through five games and have hit a total of 13 home runs. Will this keep up? It should be fun to see as the Tarpons wrap up their series with the Dedean Blue Jays this afternoon. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, broadcaster for the Hudson Valley Renegades, the Yankees' High A East affiliate, and this is Renegades Recap. Like pretty much everyone, we start on Tuesday night. The Gades open the season in Lakewood, New Jersey, against the rebranded Jersey Shore Blue Claws. Luis Medina showed why the Yankees are so high on the right-hander as he allowed one hit and struck out eight over four innings of work. Jersey Shore took over in the bottom of the fifth and cruised to a 6-2 win. On Wednesday, the Gades bounced back with an 8-0 win. Four pitchers combined on a two-hitter, striking out 15. Brandon Lockridge doubled, tripled, and had four hits overall. 
The Claws won the next two, with Jersey Shore taking a 5-1 win on Thursday night. Josh Bro homered for the lone Renegades run, and Hudson Valley pitching continued to rack up strikeouts, collecting 12 more. The Blue Claws won a 1-0 pitcher's duel on Friday, getting the only run of the game on a wild pitch in the 7th. Starter Johnny Brito allowed the Claws only hit in five innings of work. The game featured four base hits in total. On Saturday, a rain delay seemed to wake up the bats as the Gades scored six times between the fifth and seventh innings to win 9-3. Brandon Lockridge, hot once again. He had a three-run homer and James Nelson drove in three. Luis Medina is back on the hill today for the Gades as they try to salvage a split. The team comes home on Tuesday night to face the Aberdeen Ironbirds at Dutchess Stadium at 7.05. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. A solid opening week for Scranton Wilkesbury. With this Rail Riders report, I'm Adam Marco. Scranton Wilkesbury playing in Syracuse to open the 2021 campaign. Dropped a 5-2 final on Tuesday night, despite the fact that Luke Voigt joined the club on a big league rehab and doubled on the very first pitch of the season. Rail Riders coming back with victories 7-5, to 17-11 on Thursday, which turned out to be the longest nine-inning game in franchise history, four hours and nine minutes. Following that with a 7-3 win in a rain-shortened game on Friday. Saturday, Voigt homered on the very first pitch of the game, setting the tone for a 4-2 victory. Now four straight wins heading into play on Sunday. The Rail Riders are managed by Doug Davis this season, a Bloomsburg native, essentially his hometown team. Bloomsburg just about an hour away from music where the club plays. On Tuesday night, Davis managed his 1,000th career game. It is longevity, and it's it's a blessing, too. I mean, it's, uh, you know, being able to stay in a game that you love and enjoy, you know, camaraderie with and friendships that you build over the time, you know, over those years. It, that That's all very, very important. The players that you have a chance to spend time with and watch grow and develop and go on to the bigger and better things, you know, all those things come, come to mind. First road trip of the year wraps Sunday. Rail Riders open PNC Field for the first time Tuesday night against their arch rivals, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. All right, Brandon, so we heard from Scranton, we heard from Hudson Valley, we heard from Tampa. Impressive starts for all three of those teams. You had Luke Voigt in Scranton putting up a good show. Tampa, of course, has had the uh, the big-time bats. Uh, Hudson Valley, what a start to the season for Luis Medina. What's a couple of things that you're taking away from the first week of the season? Well, we talked at length throughout uh, some of our broadcasts this past week about all of the offense in Tampa and just how impressive uh, Trevor Hover and Austin Wells have been at the plate. But I think we need to key in a little more on Luis Medina uh, over in Hudson Valley because if he continues to succeed and we get a call up here, in Somerset, that's an arm that potentially, you know, in a couple weeks or second half of the season, we could see if he continues to pitch the way that he has. He's made two starts against the uh, Jersey Shore Blue Claws, went um, four innings to open up the season, just one hit, no runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. And if you think that performance was good, he followed it up on Sunday afternoon, collecting the win in uh, five innings. Again, just one hit, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. So in total on the season, nine innings pitched, just two hits, 15 Ks. He's looked solid. Well, Medina, you know, we're keeping our eye out on him. We were excited to have Luis Heal come to Somerset to begin the season, but we had talked in the offseason about 
not only heal, but you have Medina, Gomez, who's still in extended spring training, uh, Vizcaino in extended spring training as well. There's a possibility that this Somerset Patriots pitching staff that we've already been raving about can be even better in the weeks and months to come. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And, um, and I think, you know, when you look at that extended spring, Chances are they would, uh, following that, head to either Tampa or Hudson Valley. But look, if, if a guy is doing good enough and the potential is there, you never know with the moves that are being made and what spots need to be filled here in Somerset. If they're confident in one of those guys' ability, they'll certainly make the trip to Bridgewater. Well, it's been a good start to the season for all of the New York Yankees minor league affiliates. And of course, that includes the Somerset Patriots. Five and one, they take that first place record into Manchester, New Hampshire to take on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, beginning with the first pitch at 6.35 p.m. on Tuesday night. Sean Semple takes the mound for Somerset to go up against Simeon Woods Richardson for the Fisher Cats. You can follow along with all of the action, pitch-by-pitch, play-by-play on the Voice of Central New Jersey, 1450 WCTC. Myself and Brandon will have the call. We will not be in New Hampshire physically, but we will have the call for all of the action over the entire series. And then, of course, the entire series when the Patriots take on the Hartford Yard Goats next week as well. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, to this week's episode of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We'll be back with another episode next Monday, as we will for every Monday throughout the course of the 2021 season. Have a pleasant rest of your week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.